Professor Doroko. And I'll begin by thanking Professor Watton uh, and the organizers for giving us the opportunity to discuss Buddhist nationalism in various parts of the world. My talk today uh, focuses on Buddhist nationalism in Islamic Indonesia. Widely regarded as the first Indonesian-born Buddhist monk, or Bhiksu Pertama Putra Indonesia, Ating Jarakita, also known as Tizen, took it as his mission to propagate Buddhism in the archipelago nation. His Buddhayana movement, with, which combined the doctrines and practices of Mahayana and Theravada Buddhism, had a profound impact on Indonesia, particularly in the second half of the 20th century. Ashin Jarakita established an inclusive and non-sectarian monastic community consisting of Sangha from various Buddhist traditions. He crafted a vision of Indonesia Buddhism as a diverse yet unified religion in line with the motto of unity in diversity of the modern Indonesian nation. Later, he introduced the concept of Sangha Apit Buddha to make Buddhism compatible with the first principle of the Indonesian Pancasila during the New Order era. Previous scholarship has considered the place of Ashin Jarakita in Indonesian history. While some focus on the role of Ashin Jarakita in the Buddhist revival of Indonesia, others examine his controversial concept of the Sangha Apit Buddha. A biography of Ashin Jarakita in English is overdue, but the aims of this paper are not solely biographical. Rather, my talk today draws on Ashin Jarakita's life and career to consider Buddhist nationalism in Islamic Indonesia. I argue that Jarakita's reform of Indonesian Buddhist teachings was a calculated strategy to ensure the survival of Buddhism in the world's largest Muslim nation. Ashin Jarakita's version of a modern Buddhism was to shatter the image of Buddhism as a religion and culture of the Chinese population in Indonesia. He founded the Buddhayana movement that promoted non-sectarian doctrines and practices to be in line with the national discourse of unity and in diversity. What emerged was a form of Indonesian Buddhism or Agama Buddha Indonesia for the modern Indonesian state. So my talk is divided into four parts. First, I will present the early life of Jinarakita. Uh, second, I will speak about his uh, monastic training, uh, first in Indonesia and later in Burma. And I, I then uh, discussed the, uh, the Budayana movement that was established in the 1950s after Jarakita returned uh, from Burma to Indonesia. And finally, I would examine his concept of the Sangha Apit Buddha. Ashin Jarakita was born on January uh, 22, 1923 in Bogo, a city in West Java. He was given the name Tibung An by his Chinese immigrant parents. After completing his elementary education at the Dutch Chinese school in 1936, he left his hometown to continue his secondary school education in Jakarta. During that time, majority of the Buddhists in the East, Dutch East Indies were Chinese, and they often worshipped in Chinese temples, known as the Klein Thing, that, uh, that fuels elements of Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism. Tibuan often went to Chinese temples and was interested in chanting and vegetarianism. There were neither Dharma lectures nor religious classes in those clan uh, things. The monks who resided at the Chinese temples were, were mostly Chinese migrants from southern Chinese provinces of Fujian and Guangdong, and they knew little about Buddhist teachings and were ritual specialists in conducting funerary rites. 
With the end of the Japanese occupation, Timurland applied and was accepted to study chemistry in the Netherlands. During his time in, in the Netherlands, he became an active member of the Theosophy Society. Outside of school, he was learning the teachings of major world religions and became uh, increasingly interested in Buddhist doctrines. As his interest in Buddhism started to grow, he decided to devote himself in studying the, the teachings of Buddha. Therefore, in, the fourth year, uh, in his fourth year of education in the Netherlands, Tiboan decided not to continue his studies in chemistry. Uh, he was determined to learn and spread the Buddhist teachings. In 1951, after spending five years in the Netherlands, Tiboan returned to Indonesia to pursue his quote-unquote spiritual quest. When Tiboan returned to Indonesia in 1951, the island archipelago was an independent republic under the presidency of Sukarno. However, despite being the world's largest Muslim-majority country, the constitution of Indonesia guarantees the right to religious freedom. Tibuan returned to post-colonial Indonesia with a new look. His appearance with, uh, with long hair and a beard and white clothes shocked his family and friends <laughs> because he wanted to become an uh, anag uh, anagarika to spread the Buddha's teachings. In 1953, Tibuan came up with an idea to hold a national visa celebration at the Borobudur. He was quick to draw on historical claims of ancient Buddhist kingdoms to legitimize the need to, to revive Buddhism in post-colonial Indonesia. He therefore proclaimed that it was his calling to restore the abandoned Borobudur into an active uh, Buddhist site. For the first time in post-colonial Indonesia, some 3,000 Buddhists congregated at the Borobudur to celebrate the Visak Day. The Visak celebration marked the first time that Buddhists in Indonesia pray and meditate uh, together at the ancient site. The event became a national spectacle and made headlines in the news. When he was in Jakarta, he would visit Gonghuaxi or Guanghuasi, a Chinese uh, Buddhist temple. <coughs> Guanghuasi was a branch a monastery of the Putian Nansan Guanghua Monastery located in Putian city of uh, Fujian province in China. Chinese monks from the southern provinces of China migrated to Southeast Asia in the late 19th and the first half of the 20th century. There were several Chinese migrant monks residing at Gonghuaxi, and one of them was Master Penqing. In July 1953, he decided to ordain as a novice and receive the Dharma name Tizhen under the tutelage of Penqing. Following his ordination, Tizhen received monastic training in the Chinese Mahayana tradition and recited Chinese language scriptures. He studied uh, sutras such as the Diamond Sutra and learned uh, Chan meditation from Benqing. After months of monastic training, he decided to seek higher ordination but was unable to do so uh, in Indonesia due to the lack of required number of monks for the transmission of precepts. As Tizhen could not uh, obtain higher ordination in the Chinese Mahayana tradition in mainland China, which had turned communist in 1949, he decided to go to one of the Theravada <coughs> countries. Ho, uh, at, at that time, he got to know about a, a, a Burmese monk by the name of Mahasi Sayada, who taught Vipassana meditation in Burma. So in December 1953, Tizhen went to Rangoon and a month later was reordained and received his higher ordination in the Theravada tradition under Mahasi Sayada. Mahasi Sayada gave him the name Jingarakita. 
after his higher ordination, Ashin Jarakita continued to study Vipassana under the guidance of Masi Sada, and a year later, he returned to Indonesia. The Buddhists in Indonesia were excited to see the, his return and considered him, quote, the first son of the, of the Indonesian nation ever to become a monk since the end of the Majapahit dynasty, unquote. Ashin Jarakita neither considered himself a Mahayana nor a Theravada monk, since his return from Burma, he started a new Buddhist movement called Buddhayana, which he emphasized was in line with the Indonesian motto of unity in diversity. This Buddhayana movement stressed that despite the existence of various Buddhist uh, doctrines and denominations, they all lead to a single path, or what he called Ikayana, to enlightenment. His vision of a Buddhist movement was was to promote an Indonesian Buddhism for culturally and linguistic diverse Indonesia. The Buddhayana movement can be examined both at the doctrinal and at the practical level. At the doctrinal level, Jirakita promoted the idea that Buddhayana or the Buddha vehicle was the essence of Buddhism. He thought that the spirit of Buddhist wisdom pervades all traditions. Therefore, the Buddhayana movement, which was based on non-sectarianism, offered opportunity for Buddhists to explore the doctrines and practices of Mahayana, Theravada, and even Vajrayana Buddhism without having to choose one over the other. The movement conceptualizes Buddhism as a religion within three concentric circles. Uh, the innermost circle is the core teaching, uh, the Inti Ajaran, and the liberating dimension of Buddhism. Followers of Buddhayana believe that the fundamental of teachings the fundamental teachings of Buddhism are the same regardless of, uh, of, of sight. The, second, the next circle is the method. The methods of practice are different because the Buddha taught different methods to different disciples according to their personal capacity and karmic circumstances. Finally, the outermost circle is culture of Buddhaya, which makes one form of Buddhism seemingly different from another. The Buddhayana movement argues for the need to look beyond the layers of method and culture in order to get to the core of the Buddhist teaching. And it seems, it seems that this justification is embedded in the nationalist discourse depicting a multicultural Indonesia in unity. In terms of practice, Jarakita encouraged a non-sectarian mixing of doctrines and liturgy. On a personal level, he kept the Theravada precepts of not handling money and not eating after noon and at the same time maintain the Mahayana practice of vegetarianism. According to my respondents, he did so to bridge the practices of both Buddhist traditions. And as I mentioned earlier, Jarakita could not go to communist China in the 1950s to receive his higher ordination in the Mahayana tradition because of the political situation. Therefore, since the revival of Chinese Mahayana ordination ceremony in Taiwan, Jarakita went to Taiwan to receive the Bodhisattva precepts. Later, in the 1980s, he grew a beard to look like a Chinese elder monk or Zhanglao, but continued to dress in Theravada robes. From his personal practice and his appearance, it was evident that Jirakita wanted to stress that he was neither a Theravada nor a Mahayana monk, but a combination of both. During my fieldwork, I found a liturgical text entitled a guide, to uh, a guide to the Buddha Dharma, which offers fascinating insights into the logic uh, into the liturgical practices of Buddhayana followers. <clears throat> this text reveals two major characteristics of the practices of the movement. 
First, it demonstrates the attempt to localize Buddhism in Indonesia. For instance, the national anthem of Indonesia was printed in the opening pages of the text. The printing of the national anthem in Buddhist books was a practice that was pretty uncommon or unheard of. Therefore, the Pali devotional passages and scriptures were translated into Bahasa Indonesia with both languages side by side. As you can see right here. This could be read as an attempt by Jarakita to present Buddhism as a nationalistic religion in Indonesia. Second, the logistical text reveals a hybrid mix of Theravada and Mahayana devotional practices among Buddhayana members. I noticed that although the text appears like a Theravada Pali language uh, text that, became, that, that starts with the salutation to the Buddha the, the, and the threefold refuge, followed by Pali scriptures such as the Maha Mangala Sutta and the uh, Ratana Sutta, it actually contains Mahayana scriptures uh, and mantras. For example, uh, the book includes the Dharani of Great uh, compassion or the Da Beizhou in his Hokkien transliteration, Dai Biju. The Sanskrit mantra has been transliterated into Romanized characters and contains instructions for making healing water for the recitation of the mantra. As the Mahayana movement started to grow, Jarakita felt the need to establish an a society to organize his lay followers. In 1955, he established Indonesia's first lay Buddhist organization, uh, known, as P, uh, known as the Indonesian, uh, Indonesian Fraternity of Lay Buddhists, to organize his lay followers and to train lay Buddhist teachers to help him spread the Dharma. But General Akita selected the city of Samarang in central Java to be the headquarters of his organization. It became an important forum for Janarakita to organize his lay followers and to train lay leaders to spread his message. He started to ordain his senior disciple uh, as pandita or lay preacher to serve the needs of the growing congregation. The panditas were trained to lead Buddhist funeral ceremonies, bless uh, Buddhist weddings, and especially to give Dharma lectures on his behalf. Uh, it, it was an important platform for him to train a pool of lay preachers to spread Buddhism in various parts of Indonesia and, not, and beyond, uh, beyond uh, the Java island. With the success uh, of his organization, Jarakita believed that the establishment of a Sangha community can, could help him to further the Buddhayana movement in Indonesia. For this reason, he encouraged his lay disciples to consider becoming a monk. Soon, three of his lay disciples expressed interest in doing so. Jarakita relied on his networks to invite 14 monks from East, South, and Southeast Asia to officiate an ordination ceremony in Indonesia. Uh, the list of invitees include his teacher, Masi Sada, and his long-term friend, uh, Narada Mahathera. Over the next couple of years, Jarakita attempted to recruit monastic disciples and soon recognized the need to establish a Sangha organization to represent the Sangha community in Indonesia. In 1963, Jarakita, along with his disciples, founded the Maha Sangha Indonesia in Bandung. The Sangha Union aimed to serve, quote, shelter for monks and nuns from the traditions of Theravada, Mahayana, and Vajrayana with a Buddhayana view, unquote. Shortly after the founding of Maha Sangha Indonesia, Jarakita ordained the first Buddhist nun in Indonesia. By the mid-1960s, Jarakita established a vibrant Buddhist community in Indonesia. 
He founded a new Buddhist movement that shifted the image of Buddhism as a Chinese religion to a multi-ethnic religion for both Indonesian and native Indonesians. On October 1st, 1965, the so-called 13th of September movement, or Gay Tigapulu, uh, uh, resulted in a coup and in which in 1967, Suharto became the president and ushered in the 31 years of authoritarian rule known as the New Order. Um, Suharto's new order government was suspicious of the Chinese-Indonesian ties to the communist China and the possible involvement with the Indonesian Communist Party known as the PKI. Therefore, Suharto introduced an ethnic policy to assimilate Chinese-Indonesians to make them loyal citizens of the Indonesian nation. And his, gov his government introduced a series of laws and orders to assimilate the Indonesian Chinese and emphasized the Pancasila principle of belief in one almighty God and considered religion as a force that could be used to counter the 80s Communist Party. Therefore, the Suharto regime required all Indonesian citizens to have a religion which had to be stated in their resi resident identity card. And Indonesian citizens who did not have a religion were required to have one or risk persecution or, as a sympathizer of the banned uh, Communist Party. Suharto's uh, policy had a profound impact on Indonesia's Buddhist community and the Chinese-Indonesian population in general. Although the Buddhayana movement maintained a pleasant working relation with the Indonesian government during the new order, Jorakita nonetheless had to make a major and controversial doctrinal adjustment to ensure the survival of Buddhism. As pointed out earlier, Suharto's government emphasized the Pancasila principle of the belief in one God and use religion as a tool to counter communism. Buddhism, however, is a non-theistic religion and does not have a creator God. So to Buddhism in line with the first principle of the Panchasila, Asinjarakita introduced the concept of Shangha Api Buddha, which I will translate as the God, Primordial Buddha, as the Buddhist version of Almighty God. The uh, Jirakita claimed that the concept of Sangha Api Buddha could be found in the 10th century Javanese text known as the Sang Ahi Kamahayanikan. And this is the uh, uh, a shrine in a Budayana temple. Following Jirakita's uh, discovery, a uh, so called quote unquote rediscovery of Sangha Api Buddha from the old Javanese text, he mobilized his disciples from various parts of Indonesia to spread these ideas. In 1965, one of these disciples published a small book entitled The God in Buddhism. In the book, he illustrated the Buddhayana interpretation of Indonesian Buddhism. The devotional uh, salutation, uh, Namo Sanghe Api Buddha, was not mentioned in the text, but it was subsequently used uh, in, a, in a later text to emphasize, the, to make Buddhism align with the first principle of the Panchasila that was accepted by the Indonesian government. Although Jinarakita's idea of the Sangha Apit Buddha was accepted by the, uh, by the Suharto's government, he actually faced criticisms from, from the Theravada uh, Buddhist community, which eventually led to the schism of the Sangha in Indonesia. And one of his critics was a senior Sri Lankan monk, Narada, uh, Narada uh, Mahathera. Narada could not accept Jinarakita's concept of Sangha Api Buddha, and he was very critical of his idea of a Buddhist god. And he uh, wrote to Jinarakita's disciple, quote, Please tell your teacher that there is no god in Buddhism, unquote. 
And five, five, of, uh, five of the uh, Janarakita's Theravada monastic members thought that Janarakita was deviating away from the authentic teachings of the Buddha Dharma, and they decided to leave the Mahasangha Indonesia to propagate the so-called, their so-called pure teaching of Theravada, Theravada Buddhism. And in, 1970, in 1972, they declared the establishment of Sangha Indonesia. And uh, so this is uh, uh, what uh, found in one of the texts that uh, Jarakitash tries to show the, uh, the trinity of, uh, of his idea of Sangha Apit Buddha. And this idea of Sangha Apit Buddha is, uh, can be found in various uh, Buddhayana temples in various parts of Indonesia. So my talk has examined to account for the emergence of the so-called Indonesian Buddhism by arguing that Janarakita's effort to make Buddhism less Chinese was a strategy to protect the survival of Buddhism in post-colonial Indonesia. Janarakita adopted a number of strategies to create an Indonesian form of Buddhism, which he called the Buddhayana movement. During the, first and a half, during the first and a half decade of his religious career between his return from Netherlands and the 1965 coup, the relatively free religious environment created by the country's constitution allowed him to propagate Buddhism in various parts of Indonesia. In his missionary project, Jarakita promoted his inclusive and non-sectarian Buddhism based on the combination of Mahayana and Theravada Buddhist teachings. In his... Um, we find that Janarakita's pioneering ambitious project, which, trans, which transcends ethnicity, relied not only uh, on Chinese Mahayana Buddhism, but also on Burmese, Sri Lankan, and Theravada Buddhist networks to build his religious institutions in Indonesia. These different visions coexisted within his Buddhayana movement. His ideas of a national Buddhism was motivated less than scriptural concerns by, by Indonesian politics and the status of that and the status of any Chinese in the country. Following the 1965 coup, Suharto and Suharto's rise to power, Suharto's anti-communist authoritarian regime introduced legislations to assimilate Chinese Indonesian population and attempt to use religion as a tool to counter communism in the nation. Jorakita was quick to adjust his strategies to, to ensure the survival of Buddhism in the new order period. Jarakita continued to make Buddhism less Chinese and more Indonesian to defend the survival of, of the religion. More significantly and controversially, he introduced the concept of Sangha Apit Buddha as the Buddhist version of God Almighty. In Jarakita's nationalistic vision of Indonesian Buddhism, we find a combination of doctrinal innovation and institutional building. His Buddhayana movement, which attempt to create an indigenous Indonesian form of Buddhism for the modern Indonesian nation, was a strategy to ensure the continuity of Buddhism in the Muslim majority uh, nation. And uh, with that, I end my talk, and I look forward to your comments and suggestions. Thank you. Thank you.